This is a WTOP original podcast. From Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. Disinformation. There is nobody in the world better than the Russians. Dirty political money. Oh my gosh, I am 100% certain. Rampant deception. They cheated and they rigged our presidential election. Angry Americans. Stop that steal! A dire warning. Someone's going to get hurt, someone's going to get shot, someone's going to get killed. On this episode, we take a deep look at my series, Democracy Under Duress. Coming up on this edition of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile. Capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. A U.S. intelligence community assessment in 2017 determined that Russia was behind a massive and sophisticated campaign to attack the 2016 presidential election and exploit divisions between Americans. After the operation was exposed, the perpetrators went dark. Americans thought it was over, but it was only the beginning. The seeds of another wave were already sprouting, but would not bloom until 2020. In the years since then, divisions have exploded into violent protest, armed occupation of government buildings, even plots to kidnap and kill elected officials. This episode deals with the origin of Russian disinformation and its connection to dirty money and to Washington. On November 21st, 2019, the committee will come to order. Former National Security Council official Fiona Hill issued a stark warning on Capitol Hill to the House Intelligence Committee during President Trump's impeachment hearing. Based on questions and statements I've heard, some of you on this committee appear to believe that Russia and its security services did not conduct a campaign against our country and that perhaps, somehow, for some reason, Ukraine did. This is a fictional narrative that has been perpetrated and propagated by the Russian security services themselves. Despite Hill's warning, Despite the 2017 report from the intelligence community that said it was Russia, despite the fact that four years had passed, elected officials continued with that narrative. Senator John Kennedy on Meet the Press, December 1st, 2019. The uh, Prime Minister of Ukraine, the Interior Minister, the Ukrainian Ambassador to the United States, the head of the Ukrainian anti uh, um, Corruption League, uh, all meddled in the election on social media and otherwise. We caught up with Senator Mark Warner, vice chair of the Senate Intelligence Committee, and asked him a key question. Why does that happen? Well, that's a great question. And it's one of the reasons why I think it's really important, again, that the intelligence community does a better job of educating Americans and lawmakers as well, or prominent Americans, 
that may end up being manipulated by this Russian disinformation campaign. But it may already be too late. Oh my gosh, they are. Uh, I, I am 100% certain that the major intelligence services we worry about, <laughs> Russia, China, Iran, and others, are doing everything they can to target these individuals. Lawrence Pfeiffer, former CIA chief of staff, says some of these people may have already been approached. Prominent, educated, affluent, and some Americans who are elected representatives allegedly have fallen victim to Russian disinformation and may now be or already have been targeted by spies. Their public temperaments suggest that they would be prone to various approaches, approaches appealing to ego, approaches appealing to, to money, um, perhaps even approaches dealing with ideologies. Former CIA Chief of Staff Larry Pfeiffer. The big question quietly circulating in national security channels is whether Russian money is involved. I don't think there's money involved. I think there's political capital that is a huge part of this behavior. Douglas Wise is former deputy director of the Defense Intelligence Agency. But Fiona Hill, former National Security Council director and expert on Russia, thinks a little differently. The Russians have taken advantage from the fact that you know the Supreme Court has allowed large amounts of money uh, to come into uh, the political space in the United States. And these agents very quietly and meticulously have organized political action committees to you know give uh, money and clandestine fashion to um, small groups to and individuals a lot of national security and intelligence sources have heard about it few are willing to speak publicly about it and here's why it is very frightening not to be able to breathe fear of being targeted vladimir karamurza a russian political activist was poisoned twice this was excruciatingly painful. That's actually one of the reasons uh, the Kremlin and its security services like this method so much, because uh, uh, it is a sadistic method. You say, this is the US and that would never happen here. The same thing was said about Russian disinformation four years ago. We were warned after Russia's bold 2016 election interference campaign that they were not done. Remember that this is a nation of chess players. That was Dr. Christopher Paul, a senior social scientist and professor at the Pardee Rand Graduate School. And there's two critical aspects to chess. One is thinking tens, if not dozens of moves ahead. The other is taking advantage of an opponent's mistakes. Now, more than three years later, it's clear he knew what he was talking about. I don't think that we've seen the Russians expose their full hand yet. Former Director of National Intelligence, Jim Clapper, speaking to WTOP just a few days before the 2020 election. What worries me is what we don't know. What, what might they do to exploit the uncertainty about the outcome of the election? Dr. Paul has a part of the answer. He says Russia's trying hard to push the U.S. off a cliff into the abyss of a truth decay society. We are not as far down the rabbit hole as Russia and Russia's citizens are, but we are on the slippery slope and we are further, further into a, a truth decay world than we want to be. Truth decay is defined as blurring the line between the truth and outright lies. There is definitely a crisis of credibility here 
in America. President Donald Trump received more than 70 million votes in the 2020 presidential election, but he lost. State electoral officials across the country have confirmed it. But Mr. Trump continues to push the idea that he was cheated. They cheated and they rigged our presidential election, but we will still win it. More than a month after the election, the president is still continuing to press the case, and many of his supporters believe him. Stop the steal! Stop the steal! Some of them showed up with weapons at the home of Michigan's Secretary of State, Jocelyn Benson. In Georgia. To take away our rights and destroy our way of life, then we will shut the country down. There's talk of beatings, hangings, sexual crimes against women who worked as election volunteers. Georgia's voting systems manager, Gabriel Sterling, has had enough. And on the 1st of December, he issued a disturbing warning. Someone's going to get hurt. Someone's going to get shot. Someone's going to get killed. So what's driving this? Dr. Christopher Paul, a sociologist at the RAND Corporation, says it's people believing what they want to believe, regardless of whether it's true or not. Partisan echo chambers. Their sources of news are limited. The kind of information they see is self-reinforcing. And he says they're impacted by something called confirmation bias. You say something that may or may not be true, but someone else agrees with it. So now you're, you're more certain in your own beliefs and they're more certain in their beliefs. It's a hallmark of Russian intelligence operations. So is what's called dark money. Russia's dirty money. Disturbing new reports suggest American politics are awash in it. And some elected officials may be at the heart of all of it. I think that is very likely. Anders Asland is a senior fellow and Russia expert at the Atlantic Council. And what is most striking is that uh, one U.S. citizen who has made all his money in Russia has uh, given many millions of dollars in uh, political funding. That individual is Len Blavatnik. And here's why he's so important in this story about Russian disinformation. He's very closely connected with the Kremlin. And Aslan says he's made significant donations to key members of the Senate. He's given, for example, three and a half million dollars to the Mitch McConnell Leadership Fund. That donation is perfectly legal. The problem is Blavatnik's connection to Vladimir Putin who essentially calls the shots. Putin is directing this disinformation campaign. Former CIA covert operative and Russia expert Douglas London. So there is just a part of the connection between dark money and disinformation. And there's one other really important point to make about disinformation. It doesn't work without our cooperation. Fiona Hill, former National Security Council director and expert on Europe and Russia, says we've taken the bait, hook, line, and sinker. What the Russians have done is amplify plenty of the lies that we've generated in our own system as um, part of our political campaigns. More specifically, 
our increasingly vitriolic political campaigns. So our own uh, dishonest politics have been you know, picked up and amplified by people from the outside. And even if Americans do wave the white flag and come together, Christopher Paul, social scientist with the RAND Corporation, warns there are millions of bots, artificial intelligence, continuing to drive narratives designed to push Americans apart. If we don't get a handle on this, this mis- and disinformation thing, that possible threat is another concerning issue in this space. For more details about the dark money component, we bring you now our full interview with Anders Asland. You've done a lot of work, and good work I might add, on this subject of Russian dirty money in the West and in other places around the world. I'd like to get straight to the heart of my question for you today. There seems to be some concern about Russian dirty money having made its way into the United States. How would you put this in context for so we understand just what the situation is? Uh, there is $1 trillion of private dark Russian money abroad. This goes to various offshore uh, havens, but it's not really invested there. Eventually, it goes to essentially two countries, the United States and the United Kingdom, because these are the two countries that allow anonymous uh, companies on a massive scale, have uh, deep financial markets, uh, and <clears throat> uh, have good rule of law. What has your research told you about the United States and some of the people uh, in the United States that may be receiving some of this money, people and organizations? Well, most of all, you have uh, a private people are investing money here in real estate, in uh, 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 securities, uh, both stocks and, uh, and bonds. And uh, this is probably a few hundred billion dollars. There are people in the United States at this point, some of them in Congress, who have absolutely refused to acknowledge the outcome of the 2020 presidential election, some of them in positions of leadership, and there are those in the intelligence and national security world that are concerned that they may have been impacted or influenced by money from Russia, dirty money. What can you tell us about that? I think that is very likely. Uh, and what is most striking that is that uh, one US citizen who has made all his money in Russia, uh, Lem Blavatnik, has uh, given many millions of dollars in uh, political funding. This is completely illegal, but uh, he's uh, uh, the third biggest owner of Rusal, where the two biggest owners uh, have uh, been uh, sanctioned by the U.S. Treasury. So he's very closely connected with the, the Kremlin. And uh, he has given, for example, three and a half million dollars to the Mitch McConnell uh, leadership uh, uh, fund. And we don't know the conditions there. Now, you said, just to be clear, that this is illegal, right? It's legal. It's fully legal. Oh, it is legal. Okay. Yeah. Okay, um, so this is the question that I would ask you then. Um, some of the people that have been holding out um, on the presidential election have also seemingly been repeating 
and perpetrating what has been told to them by national security officials is Russian disinformation. Do you get the sense that some of these people know that they are perpetrating or perpetuating Russian disinformation and are doing it anyway, and do you think money is involved? I think that they are doing it. I think that they are knowing it. What I can't say is uh, if it is because of money uh, or if it is uh, because they know that uh, President Trump and his uh, private lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, insist on this. So what I hear you saying is they, some of them may be doing this because of their loyalty or dedication to the president. Yes. But what we can say is that uh, uh, Lem Blavatnik has provided uh, money not only to Mitch McConnell, but also Marco Rubio and uh, Lindsey, uh, Lindsey Graham. And of course, Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham are major defenders uh, of, uh, of Trump. Do they do it because they get high positions in the Senate when they support Trump? Or uh, is it because... Uh, uh, they are getting a lot of uh, money from uh, a Russian oligarch who is a U.S. citizen who provides a lot of money to Republican uh, Party people. Are there other high-ranking senators, to your knowledge, that are part of this uh, this scheme? I can't say, but uh, there's a lot of dark money in U.S. politics going both to... Uh, Democrats and to Republicans. In the 2018 elections, there was more dark money going uh, to Democrats than uh, to Republicans. I don't think that we know as yet uh, from the most recent elections. Rudy Giuliani, you mentioned his name earlier. There are those who say that he may be involved with Russian intelligence. What's your thought on that? We know that he's involved in Russian intelligence. His main source in Ukraine, uh, Andrei Derkach, was sanctioned by the U.S. Uh, government in September and uh, named a Russian intelligence uh, agent. Uh, we also know that uh, Derkach, according to his own public uh, CV, uh, was uh, graduated from the KGB sc- uh, higher uh, school in Moscow in 1993. So this is a trained KGB agent who has uh, continued to work for Russian intelligence. And this is the main source of Rudy Giuliani about uh, this alleged uh, 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 Biden uh, issues in Ukraine. Mr. Aslan, why do you believe these Americans who have been elected to very uh, reputable, uh, very reputable people that have been elected to uh, positions and they are in, 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 in positions where they can make a lot of difference and do a lot of good things for the United States and doing it in the name of the United States, which is, you know, been known for its democracy for many, many years. Why are these people taking this approach? Why are these people going down this path, which is running counter to everything that the United States stand for? You have to ask them, but you you can see that anybody who goes against uh, Trump in the Republican Party publicly tends to lose their uh, position in in the Congress. And uh, we also see 
uh, these uh, vast amounts of dark money uh, that we do not quite understand, but we can see the quantities. So this is all about self-preservation, huh? <laughs> it's about making a career. Yeah. Um, what haven't I asked you about that you think is important as it relates to this uh, this situation, this story? Your pardon? What have I not asked you about that you think is important as we try to tell this story? I know that uh, the Mueller indictment had a lot of information in it. There are some names that are mentioned in there that were involved in Silicon Valley, Facebook, and Twitter. Are there things that I haven't asked you about that you think are important that should be shared? Yeah, two things. One is that two Russian oligarchs were early investors in Facebook with uh, 8% and in Twitter with uh, 5%, and they operated with Russian state money. Why did they do that? How did they influence uh, these uh, companies? We we don't know. The other thing is um, uh, the big investor in the US uh, that we don't know anything about is Cayman Island. This is a little island with uh, 60,000 souls, but 158 uh, banks. And it has invested $1.9 trillion in US um, uh, securities, uh, $1 trillion in stocks and the rest in bonds. And then you uh, wonder who are these? And we have no idea because this is uh, almost entirely anonymous money. Quite a lot of it is uh, uh, U.S. tax evasion, but there's probably a few hundred uh, billions of dollars of Russian money in it as well. Tell us a little bit about your background before you go. I know on December 3rd, 1991, you got your own office in the former Central Committee headquarters of the Communist Party in the Soviet Union. Tell us what that was about. Yeah, I uh, was happy to work as an economic advisor to the Russian reform government from 91 to, uh, to 94. And together with uh, Jeffrey Sachs and David Lipton, we uh, tried to advise uh, the, the Russian reformers about how to uh, build the market economy in Russia. And then uh, for the rest of the time, I worked uh, in various uh, post-Soviet uh, countries, m most of all in uh, Ukraine, also as an economic advisor in various uh, uh, terms, and here in Washington at various uh, think tanks. So tell me what you learned, what the most important thing you learned about your time in the Soviet Union. Um, what was the most important thing you learned about from, learned from your time in the Soviet Union and what you learned about uh, Vladimir Putin? Well, I think that uh, the 1990s was a wonderful time in Russia when the communism was really destroyed and uh, freedom uh, opened up in Russia. But what happened when Putin came to power, in particular since 2004, uh, when he had consolidated power, is that the old Soviet uh, uh, secret police style came back. Russia today is an authoritarian kleptocracy. What Putin represents today, uh, that I wrote about in my book, uh, Russia's Crony Capitalism, is organized crime combined with uh, the secret police.
All right, Anders, this is a great pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you. You're most welcome. Great pleasure to talk to you. Thank you, Anders. That's it for this episode of Target USA. Coming up in our next episode, a big interview we've waited a long time for. This is big. Sue Gordon, former principal deputy director of national intelligence. Yes, this interview is big, but what she's talking about is the Russian hack on the U.S. It is not the work of an opportunistic predator. There are lots of cyber actors that fall into the category of taking advantage of an opening that exists. But this is someone who knew what they were doing, planned, took a very sophisticated approach, and had the resources in order to do it. A wide-ranging interview with Sue Gordon, coming up on our next episode of Target USA. In the meantime, if you have any questions or comments about the show, send me an email at jgreen at wtop.com. That's the letter J, the color green. One word, at whiskey, tango, Oscar, papa. Green at WTOP.com. Also, follow us on Twitter, if you will. We're at TUSA Podcast. That's at Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha Podcast. And if you want more information about national security, I've got a newsletter for you. It's called Inside the Skiff. Drops every Thursday, and you can sign up at WTOP.com slash alerts. Note, this Christmas... There will be no Inside the Skiff. But next week, the first week of January, it will be back. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. This week on Jaws Picks with Ron Jaworski, Peyton Manning. This is Ron Jaworski. Today I'm joined by legendary quarterback Peyton Manning. You know, in Philadelphia, Carson Wentz had a run of like four years of playing terrific quarterback, and all of a sudden he gets benched. How surprised are you by that? It's probably a good year if there aren't many fans allowed at Philly Stadium when you agree. <laughs> You're right about uh, that. Have you ever given thought about possibly becoming an NFL owner or a general manager of an NFL team? I've always envisioned you in that role. Yeah, Josh, I mean, I keep looking for that $3 billion, but I just can't find it. It must be in, a, must be in another account that I'm not aware of. So, hey, I got a C-note uh, in my pocket. I'll, I'll invest. Okay, perfect. Perfect. Yeah, we'll form a group. Download new episodes of Jaws Picks with Ron Jaworski every Wednesday and Friday on Podcast One and all your favorite podcasting platforms. Now, stay tuned for the latest headlines from the Associated Press.